We find ourselves tonight in Romans 13, verses 6 and 7, talking about one of our favorite subjects, paying taxes. So, let me read the two verses and we'll pray. According to the grace given to us, whoops, wrong chapter, there we go, uh, that was chapter 12, <laughs> 6 and 7, 13. And for this reason you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's public servants, continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to whom you owe taxes, tolls to those whom you owe tolls, respect to those you uh, owe respect, and honor to those who uh, you owe honor. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for another opportunity to uh, join together around your word. We would ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to the things that you have for us in this chapter, that we might go forth and be able to do the things that you've called us to do in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, as I said, one of our favorite topics, uh, let me see, this country was started basically because we didn't like a half-cent sales tax added to uh, tea and things like that. Um, uh, what is my personal opinion about taxes? I have absolutely no problem paying taxes. I have a major problem with how they spend taxes. <laughs> um, and again, I would have to say that, especially since we're in chapter 13, uh, our government is different than any other government in history. If you go back and look at our original founding doctor, uh, doc documents, um, we're the bosses. Now, somewhere in the rush, those that are subservient to us, those public servants, have forgotten their jobs. And, and again, this, you, you can say that this is all part of God's judgment on this nation. And they have at least taken on the attitude of becoming our masters. Uh, what are we to do about it? Well, I would say that in every area that you can submit, you need to submit. Uh, where you need to pay taxes, you probably need to pay taxes. Why do I say that? Because God said it. Not because I like it. Uh, my, my flesh says, you know, if they can revolt, quote-unquote revolt, if they can say, we're done with you all over a half-cent tax raise, uh, <laughs> I, I would say in my flesh that I think we ought to be able to do the same thing. Uh, but I have a hard time justifying that from Scripture. So let's see what uh, Romans 13 talks about when it comes to taxes. So first of all, let's see God's principle in 6a. He says, for because of this. Now Paul is referring back to the previous five verses where he basically uh, gave... Uh, a, a quick overview of what government's job is. It is to praise those that are doing good and to deal with those that are not doing good, that are wicked. And in reality, if you look back at our constitutional uh, republic concept, government's job is to protect the rights of a free people from those who would cause them harm. You have the police for the domestic and you have the army Air Force, National Guard, etc., for uh, foreign, those who might attack us from the outside. So because they're anointed by God to do the th job that they're supposed to do for because of this, so notice it also indicates part of the general obligation. In the first five verses, you were to submit to them. In these two verses, you also pay taxes, number two. 
Uh, the word for tax here is phoros, a load as born, a tax or a tribute. And this is dealing with the kind of a t- uh, tax that an individual assessment on persons or property. So if you want to get technical, this could be considered like a property tax or a consumption tax uh, or an income tax. Uh, We get to pay all three, I know. Um, (laughs) Number two, usually paid by those subjugated by foreign rulers. Oh, isn't that interesting? But again, our government is different than history for the most part. They were conquered by other peoples and therefore had to pay this kind of a tax. Uh, So he uses that word. Uh, The word teleo means to end or complete, to execute, conclude, and it's the word for pay. Okay? Now notice as you follow along on the definition, it's the root word of what Jesus said on the cross to telestai which the basic meaning of the word is paid in full, okay? So you also pay taxes. Um, when we look at the Old Testament, we see that God is the one that instituted taxes. Now, I'll say he instituted taxes for Israel with a theocratic society. There was already tribute that was being paid to conquered nations uh, before this happened, um, I was listening to a TikTok here recently, and they talked about why seven days? Why did God create the heavens and the earth in seven days? And he didn't want to get into the argument of what the day was defined as. He was just talking about the number seven. And he goes, you know, people want to say, well, it's the perfect number. Well, that's something that would have been concluded afterwards, not before. So why seven? And he went on to talk about earlier writings than Moses' writings. And uh, one of the idols uh, took seven days to prepare his temple. It's kind of like, okay, something that they don't get. Going back to our naked Bible study and uh, the divine council, they copied God, not we copied them, okay? Uh, If this uh, demon that caused people to build a temple in seven days. He did so because he was copying God because, no, we, yeah, we get the story written by Moses after this guy did this. But uh, again, they copied God, not the other way around, which is one of those things that seems to uh, be missed by most. But uh, God did institute taxes as part of the system that the Jewish people would uh, follow. So first of all, let's look at uh, the tithe. Uh, I <laughs> I have a great appreciation for money and what money can do for you. I also have a great appreciation for the ba- fact that the Bible speaks a lot about money. In fact, it seems to speak more about money than it does salvation. Because money says an awful lot about the person. Uh, the one who loves money, well, you know, he's already setting himself up for all kinds of evil. Uh, so that's uh, the, the idea. So when we talk about the tithe, it is interesting to know that some Christian churches are still pushing the concept of the tenth. In fact, some churches in this area are said to be checking people's W-2s at the end of the year to make sure that they paid a tenth last year. And if not, they're not going to be a member in good standing. 
Thankfully, we don't do anything like that, and there's a reason, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But notice uh, Leviticus 27.30 says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed or of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So God's the one that instituted the tithe, and it was used to support the Levitical priesthood. In Numbers 18.21-24, it says, Behold, I have given the children of Israel all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Hereafter, the children of Israel shall not come near the tabernacle of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout all the generations among Uh, that among all the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. In other words, they didn't get a plot of land uh, whereby they could uh, be part of that agrarian culture or anything like that. They were working, and uh, they didn't get that inheritance. For the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord, I shall give, uh, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore, I have said to them, among the children of Israel, Israel they shall have no inheritance. So though they didn't have lands, they did have cities that they had to operate in uh, throughout Israel, but they didn't get any land. So uh, notice this is paid for theocratical government expenses. Again, when we look at Israel, we uh, think of uh, when the king came, now there's a government. Well, what about before? Was there a government? And the reality is, is yes, there was. God was their king. And he used the priests and the judges to bring about uh, an understanding of uh, righteousness and the law and things like that. So the tithe paid for theocratical uh, government expenses. Uh, Letter B, the annual festival tithe. This was used for sacrifices supporting the tabernacle and then the temple afterwards, Deuteronomy 12, 10 to 19. But when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all of your enemies round about so that you dwell in safely, then there will be a place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings uh, of your hand, uh, and all your choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you. Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses. In one of the tribes there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. However, you may slaughter and eat meat within your ga- all your gates, whatever your heart desires, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. An unclean the unclean and the clean may eat of it, of the gazelle and the deer alike, only you shall not eat the blood, you shall pour it on the earth like water. You may not eat within your gates the tithe of your grain nor, uh, or of uh, your new wine or your oil, of the firstborn of your herd, of the flock, or any of your offerings which you vow, of your freewill offerings, or of your heave offerings, and it goes on for a couple of more verses. But you see that they're supposed to be bringing all of these various sacrifices. And notice this is paid for cultivating national life. 
Uh, the f- purpose of the feast was to remind them of uh, things that God had done. And we find out later, it pointed to things that God was going to do. And it was to bring them together and develop that community that we are Israel. No one else does these kinds of things because God gave us these feasts. See what I'm saying? And so this is a annual, the, the annual festival tithes. So you're going to start out with your Passover and your first fruits and, and your unleavened bread. All of those things included sacrifices, and those were tithes that you had to pay. Then you had Pentecost. Then you had uh, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, uh, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Booths in the fall. So that was all for cultivating national life. Interesting. Pastor, I don't know about you, but I never thought about all the sacrifices developing community in the the family, if you will. It's kind of like, hmm. So that moves us on to uh, letter C, the third year tithe. This was collected every third year, and it was used to help the alien, the orphan, and the widow. Deuteronomy 14.29, and the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the stranger, that would be the alien, and the fatherless, the orphan, and the widow who are within your gates, you may, uh, may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all your work of your hands which you do. So this was a tithe that was collected every uh, three years, and it basically uh, was about 3% of your annual income. Uh, so that brings us to letter D. Uh, the temple tax levied on every male 20 years and older. You can see that in Exodus uh, 30, verse 14. And then you have, uh, number two, two other indirect taxes. Uh, it's interesting. We have lots of indirect taxes right now. Uh, one of them is called inflation. <laughs> uh, so uh, another one is uh, the cost of gas. Uh, it, it's not taxes that made gas go up. It was supply, and who determined how much supply was going to be there? Uh, Government. (laughs) So those are kind of indirect taxes. So uh, first of all, you have the unharvested crop for the poor. In Leviticus uh, 19.10, it says, And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. Uh, You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So here we have uh, 24 acres in the back. And for the most part, you got square corners at the various places. And so when the combine comes through, instead of going Out one side, coming back in, where you get every last lick of corn, soybean, or whatever, you would kind of just curve that and leave what was in the corner there. You might miss a couple of rows here and there. You leave it. You don't go back and get it. Uh, And that was for the poor. So that's an indirect tax. Then you have every seventh year, you are to leave the cultivated ground unplanted. Any volunteer plants that came up, I think uh, someone gave us a cherry tomato uh, plant one year. And um, yeah, that was nice. You know, I'm not a big cherry tomato. I like a nice beefy tomato. You put it on a sandwich with some mayonnaise, salt, and pepper. Look out, you know. But uh, we had cherry tomatoes for like the next three years <laughs> because the things fell off on the ground and then replanted. And so in this particular case, anything that uh, volunteers uh, was left for the poor and for the livestock. 
So uh, I, the poor didn't know my cherry tomatoes were there. I would have let them have them. <laughs> Letter F, the total of all six taxes. I, I love this part because, once again, well, you got to give God the tenth. The total of all six taxes was approximately 24% per year. Interesting study done a few decades ago. They found out that if the government taxed you at approximately 26 to 27%, people stopped working because it wasn't worth working anymore. Well, it's just like God to make it a few percent lower so that they would, of course, do what they were supposed to do. So notice uh, number four. Paul's first century circumstances were different because of the exile and the subsequent subjugation to Greece and then to Rome. Letter A, Rome did allow Israel to levy religious taxes. So uh, Israel could have actually continued on with all of these taxes, uh, no problem, 24%. But remember, Rome was going to get their share too, right? And you know that after about 26, 27%, people stopped working. So I'm sure there was probably some uh, relief on the religious taxes levied. How do I know that? Well, why do I think that? Uh, the, the rabbis felt as though seven days being away from your job was too difficult when God had commanded seven days. So they said, if you came for three, God would understand so if they le- lessened what God said on that, I, I can imagine they probably did that on the taxes also. So that brings us to letter B, Christ's example. In Matthew seventeen twenty four through 27, uh, let me read the passage and we'll just review the words here. Uh, when they uh, had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? And Peter said to him, From strangers. Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take out uh, take the fish that comes up first, and when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and for you. Now, the temple tax was two drachmas, so the coin that he was going to find was going to be a four drachma coin. How much does that equal? I don't have a clue. Don't worry about it. Uh, but notice in our uh, uh, Christ's example here, Tax collectors asked Peter if Jesus paid the temple tax. Peter says yes. Jesus provides miraculously by sending Peter to fish. And he explains to Peter that uh, as the son of God, he had no obligation to pay to support God's house. But he also explains to Peter that as the son of man, he did so in order to not give offense and be an example. I mean, think about it. Why are people baptized to uh, identify themselves with the finished work of Christ now? But they were being baptized before Christ died, was buried, rose again. And then Christ goes and be ba- uh, to be baptized. And John sits there and says, uh, hang on now. You should be baptizing me. He goes, look, we got to do it for righteousness sake. Jesus is identifying himself with those sinners. So as an example and... Uh, that there wouldn't be any offense, that kind of thing. 
So uh, letter C, what if we disagree with how the tax is used? Anybody disagree with how the government spends money? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got a lot of shaking heads here. I'll bet even on Facebook Live, if they could, the camera would be going up and down right now. So notice, Jesus knew of the corruption within the religious elites. Got to think now, in John chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. And he found the temple, the, he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Now, what had happened was we had some Congress people that were the religious leaders of the day. And we had these lobbyists that said, hey, we got a plan. If you make them buy our stuff... We'll give you a cut. Well, where's the best place to do this? Right inside the temple courtyard. And it's kind of like, wow. Um, not only did, you know, someone would bring their own sheep that they had raised, just like the Word of God said. Kind of like, yeah, I'm inspecting that sheep. And see that little dot right there? He's not without blemish. There's nothing wrong with this sheep. He's not without blemish. You're going to have to go over there and buy one from Fred. So he goes over to Fred. And Fred sits there and says, Oh, yeah, I got one right here. It cost $100. Mine only cost me 10 Well, it cost 100 Well, here's 100 No, I'm sorry. You can't use that money. You have to use the temple money, and you can get that from John over yonder. So he goes over, and 100 uh, in the temple money costs 120 now, this worshiper of God knows that he has been ripped off royally. So where's his heart when he finally brings that sheep to be slaughtered? Now, and Christ knew of this corruption, okay? Uh, not much different than what we see going on in government today. Uh, number two, he paid money to a system that would shortly thereafter put him to death with 30 pieces of silver from the temple treasury. So here he is giving the temple tax to an organization that he knew ultimately was going to use that money incorrectly to have him crucified. And yet he gave it anyway. Mm. And then number three, when asked about paying taxes to Caesar, Matthew twenty-two fifteen to 22, uh, he told him, whose image is on the coin? Well, that's Caesar. And the, my understanding is the picture of Caesar on that coin was he, he was on a throne as though he was supposed to be worshipped as God. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. That coin, it's Caesar's. He's the one that minted it, stamped it, got it. You know, he didn't have a Federal Reserve, but uh, he, he still did it. And uh, so give him his money. Who cares? But make sure you're giving God what belongs to him also at the same time. So that brings us to New Testament giving. Now, normally you would think that paying taxes and New Testament giving has absolutely nothing to do uh, with one another, except for the fact that when we look at the Old Testament, God's the one that instituted the tithing, the giving, and it was considered a tax. So when we come to the New Testament, let me read a few verses for you. Uh, notice on our outline, first of all, 
uh, give oneself first. In Second Corinthians 8, 5, and not only as we had hoped, but they, speaking of the Macedonians, had given themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Uh, people complain about going into churches and they're just always asking for money. And, and I recognize that some churches are like that. Uh, sometimes I think we ought to speak about it a little bit more. But here's what we know. God's more interested in you than your money. Now, that doesn't mean he's not interested in your money. Why? Because he knows where your money is. That's where your heart's going to be. Okay? Uh, then number two here. Uh, let me see. i got to find it. <laughs> uh, right at the bottom of the page. That's easy. Willingly, we are to give willingly to what one has. Uh, not uh, make outrageous promises and covenants based upon if God provides it, I'll give a million bucks this year. Nothing like that. Notice he says in uh, 2 Corinthians eight twelve, for if there is uh, first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. Uh, one, one of the things that, uh, and, and we'll see that in the next couple here, one of the things that gets me when people get dogmatic, legalistic about the tithe is, look, if you're making $10,000 a month, a tithe is just not a big deal for you. If you're making $773 a month, can I tell you, a tithe might be difficult. And yet, so many of the people that come here for benevolent help, the ones that go to church, they go to churches that teach, you got to give that tenth. And their rent is six fifty. In some cases, some cases they have uh, government housing and stuff like that. But it, it's just impossible to think that way if you're going to be biblical. Okay, uh, so of what they have, they have to be willing to give. And then letter C, top of the next page, as they purpose in their heart, not grudgingly, but cheerfully or hilarily. I can never say that word. Yeah, that you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, so we see First um, uh, Corinthians sixteen two, which says, "On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come." Did I get that right? No, I didn't. Verse before that. Sorry about that. Second Corinthians nine seven. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity. In other words, you don't have to, okay? Uh, he goes on to say, for God loves a cheerful giver. God's desire is that you want to. Why? To support his work, to take care of these belongings that really have not much to do with church. It's a nice place to meet. It's great that the heat operates. Someone's got to pay the bill. Okay, uh, and then of course we can talk about the paying of pastors and stuff like that. Um, but Paul actually worked in one church for about eighteen months and worked bivocationally. He was receiving gifts from other churches and working to uh, pay his way. And that church got offended because they couldn't give him any money. They didn't even know they were supposed to at the time, but later they're upset about it. So it's kind of funny. So that brings us to letter D, give on the first day of the week. Now, again, uh, when worship went from Saturday to Sunday and the reasoning behind it, I don't know. 
Haven't figured that one totally out yet. I've heard the arguments that it was, uh, you know, decisions that men made and uh, had something to do with the worship of the sun and all that kind of stuff. I don't think so because, once again, we see this. But we also see that they not only met on the first day of the week from time to time, they met throughout the week. But he's nailing it down here on the first day of the week, uh, you're to give. And I've already read 1 Corinthians 16, 2 for you. And then, of course, notice uh, this is part of laying up treasures in heaven in Matthew six twenty. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. <coughs> Sorry about that. Uh, so, again, where your heart is, that's where your tre- uh, treasure is going to be found. And so God is saying, look, part of the giving is to keep your heart in that right place. And that brings us to the last thing, uh, fruit for one's heavenly account in Philippians four seventeen. Paul is thanking the Philippian church because they've now given to him at least two times, possibly more. And notice what he says. As a missionary receiving missionary uh, funding, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. When I think of our time down in Brazil, um, we got to see some good things happen down there. um, And a lot of, well, we had 13 churches that supported us and uh, quite a few people. And the reality is, is when we get to heaven, uh, when we go through before the judgment seat of Christ, the people that gave to us get some of the reward for the things that had any eternal value that were done while we were down there. That, that's the idea here. Uh, again, the giving to missionaries is where your treasure is. Okay? Uh, it's, it's interesting. We live in a day where we can just kind of throw money at a mission uh, project and not think about what it does beyond. Um, I'm uh, on Facebook. I'm friends with uh, the Camp of Jehovah Jireh, uh, Campamento de Jehovah Jireh. And uh, I get to see pictures of cabins that Edgemont Bible Church not only financially provided for, but actually came down and helped build. Okay. Um, I can see pictures of the people that are coming to that camp. Uh, we put some of our money into extending the uh, compound, the, the compound uh, from six meters to 22 meters so that they could seat everybody on one end and feed them on the other end. And uh, it is neat to see uh, the, all the things that go on down there because, and providing work is being done to the glory of God. We're going to be able to see that in heaven. It's not just, okay, I gave my money, no. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. It's God's work. Okay, so that brings us to letter B, God's purpose in 6B. You're to pay, because of this, you're to pay taxes, for they are God's ministers. The word ministers here is leitorgos, a public servant, a a functionary of the uh, temple or gospel, or a worshiper of God, or a benefactor of man, uh, ministered. It is used of angels in Hebrews 1, 7, and 14. uh, And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers, that's the word, a flame of fire. Verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for the uh, for those who will inherit salvation? It is also used of Paul as a minister 
to the Gentiles, Romans fifteen sixteen, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offerings of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it is also used of Christ as a minister of the true tabernacle in Hebrews 8, 2, a ministry of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. Again, the tabernacle and therefore after that the temple designed after the pattern given by God to Moses as he probably showed him this is the, this is the real one. Now make one like it, that kind of a thing. And so uh, notice uh, it is where we get the word liturgy. Okay, letter B, Paul is saying this of Rome, who he probably chafed under their despised rule as a Pharisee. Remember, Paul's been saved now at the time that he's writing uh, Romans, probably for a decade, two decades, or, or whatever the case may be. But it, it still comes down to he was a Jew under Roman rule and probably had no great appreciation for the Romans and how they did things. I mean, when you're told to bow down and worship Caesar as a Jew, <laughs> no, that's not happening. And now, mind you, his Roman citizenship did get him out of trouble a couple of times after the fact, the Philippian jailer uh, routine, uh, but it didn't save him from those troubles. And uh, so you imagine he probably didn't really appreciate and like how the Romans did things, though he operated under uh, the system that he was born into. Number two, uh, attending continually. They are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Uh, the attending continually here is proskartereo, uh, to be earnest towards, to a thing, to persevere, to uh, be constantly diligent. Uh, and you can read the rest of the definition. Again, when we look at how uh, the representatives and senators are continually doing something, we think of term limits. That would not fix the problem, by the way. You'd have to get rid of the bureaucracy, too. But uh, that, that's the idea. They are continually about the business of uh, being their public servants, even if they don't understand the meaning. Number one, it has the idea of being devoted to. Let me see. How long has Joe Biden worked in politics? Fifty-ish uh, years, more or less, right now. Uh, do you think he's been devoted to at least being in politics. <laughs> if you're at it for 50 years, I'd have to say yes, okay? Um, and notice number two, a description of their job, not their practice. Now, I had to put this in because this is a description of their job as politicians. They are to be attending continually to, uh, as God's minister to taking care of the wicked and promoting the righteous. Now, their practice... Oh, that's another thing altogether. In fact, if anything, if we talk about the rise in crime and stuff like that, it seems to be directly related to at least a certain number of our politicians that have made it more possible. Uh, there's a, a purpose in all of that. They're definitely devoted to it, but it's not their job, and uh, therefore their practice doesn't match up with what their job should be. Letter B. Uh, by the way, 
Once again, someone's going to sit there and say, it's not your job to be talking about politics. I'm trying to help you to see that according to this passage, what is our response to them when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing? And if you haven't figured out they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, well, it's time to wake up. Uh, If you think they're doing a wonderful job, it is time to wake up. Set that alarm clock, whatever the case may be. Uh, But again, notice their job is to protect uh, the people, not just the people of God, people in general, and therefore we are to be about the business of submitting and paying taxes. Letter B, as believers, we should be reminding public servants of their duty and responsibility as God has listed them. Hmm, interesting. We're actually supposed to be telling these guys what they're supposed to be doing. Psalm 92.8, but you, Lord, are on high forevermore. What's the idea there? Someday you're going to give an account to the Lord for how you're doing your job. Okay? Uh, Psalm 93, 1 and 2. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. Once again, uh, if you have any leadership over me, as Jesus said to Herod, it's because God let you. It's not because you're all that great. Uh, Psalm 94.10, He who instructs the nations, shall he not correct? He who teaches man knowledge. Uh, this is, does, does God not have the right to judge us as a nation when we go wayward of what he has taught us? Uh, this uh, Defense of Marriage Act that was just passed and signed into law There are all kinds of difficulties in that uh, for Christian people. And and they tried to put some amendments on there so that it wouldn't be an issue for churches. And, of course, the uh, majority party said, no, we're not going to do that. And they just think they've done something wonderful because somewhere in the rush, Christians are going to start getting sued because they don't want to do something, even though the Supreme Court's already made the argument. I mean, do you know it's now legal to interracially marry? What? People have been interracially marrying for how long? And the Supreme Court's actually the one that said it was okay all the way back in the 50s. And yet, that's part of the Defense of Marriage Act. And they put that in there just because we're putting a bunch of other stuff in there and we just want to be able to say, well, we did that. Oy vey. Um Psalm 98.9, before the Lord, uh, for he is coming to judge the earth with righteousness. He shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. Uh, So once again, you see the idea that, uh, look, bud, someday you you don't have to believe in God to know that someday you're going to give an account to him. How many unbelievers do I talk to on a regular basis? They fear death. Why? Because they don't believe in God. Oh, yeah? Why do they fear God? Because they know someday they're going to stand before him, and there's no way they can measure up. It is only through Jesus Christ. So I don't care if they say they don't believe in God. You remind them. Someday you're going to give an answer to God for that one. Okay? So that brings us uh, down to, there we are, for a letter C, for uh, God's own purposes. They are continually attending to this very thing for God's own purposes. Sometimes he reminds them. In Daniel uh, chapter 4, verses 30 through 34, don't want to read it. Um, 
because of time, but you might remember Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, God gives him a dream. It's a warning. Daniel gives him the interpretation. Look, humble yourself, because this is what God's going to say is going to happen to you. And one day he walks out and looks at the hanging in gardens and says, am I good or what? And God says, okay, that's it. I'm done. And he wanders around like a wild beast in the wilderness for seven years. And ultimately he gets his kingship back because of God's uh, grace. But it, it is God that reminded him beforehand and then through the event that he went through that you're just a man. And you're accountable to me. I'm the one that's over everything. So uh, notice uh, God's purposes. Uh, it requires humility. Uh, one of the things that seems to be lacking in so many politicians today. But if you're going to be a good servant of the Lord, a servant of the people, it requires humility. Isaiah thirteen eleven. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will, <clears throat> excuse me, will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Daniel 4.25, They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you uh, with the dew of heaven, and seven times, seven years, shall pass over you till you uh, know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Now, think about that. I don't care whether you think someone cheated or won the election outright, however you want to say it. God gives that leadership to whom he chooses. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, requires humility. Notice it also requires mercy and compassion. Daniel 4.27, Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. It also requires justice. And once again, when you think about what happened summer of uh, was 2018, 2019, um, the all of the BLM riots and stuff like that. Uh, what was justice for some of our politicians? Let's pay into a bail fund. And when these people get arrested, they'll be back out on the street just like that. And of course, recently we saw what happened because some of our Hollywood stars had a bail fund. They got this guy out who had already been deported from the country twice. And within six days, he kills a woman. And now... Their, her family is suing those stars that had the bail fund. Hmm. Uh, hopefully justice will be uh, taken care of. Uh, it also requires to maintain order. Uh, Romans 13.4, chapter we happen to be in, says, For government is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For government is God's servant in avenging, uh, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. And again, just because their practice has not been such, that is their job as far as God is concerned. Maintain order. How about 1 Peter 2.14? Or to governors as those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. 
Okay, so we are to pay taxes because uh, God has a purpose for them in what they're doing. Letter D, choosing public servants. Are they aware of their civic responsibilities? Their civic responsibilities are not to get rich. Are they aware of that? Well, it seems as though at least some don't care. But what about the people down here where we can actually see them and talk to them occasionally? Do they understand what their job is? Those are questions that maybe we need to be asking. And then uh, uh, that should be, are they faithful to their civic responsibilities? Uh, Studying Isaiah on Thursday night with uh, uh, men, and I'm just amazed at how much in the first 10 chapters Isaiah speaks to what's going on in our country today. Yes, it speaks about Jesus coming and all that, but the judgment that God is promising on Israel because of their haughty women and the men that are going to, the few men that will be left after judgment comes, it's kind of like, wow. Uh, Isaiah 10, 1 and 2. Woe to those, listen to this verse. Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write misfortune. When they have prescribed to rob the needy of justice and to take what is right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey and that they may rob the fatherless. Now we can talk about the corporations, the companies that uh, might be doing reverse mortgages and all those kinds of things and and, uh, uh, the aggressive uh, mortgage people that are doing the adjustable rates and, oh, it's terrible and all that kind of stuff. Uh, We can talk about them, but when you think about writing uh, unrighteous decrees, uh, I'm, I'm seeing lawmakers here, okay? And what does God say to them? Woe to you. Your purpose is ultimately to hurt and rob the poor and the widows, and you got some trouble coming because of it. Uh, so that is, uh, are they faithful to their civic responsibilities? Let us see the particulars found in verse 7. Render, therefore, to all their due. Okay? So uh, render is apodidomy, uh, to give away, to give up, to give over, to back and deliver, etc. Uh, it carries the idea of paying back what is owed. And it's reinforced by the next phrase, all their due. This is what God says is due them, pay the taxes, therefore. Okay? The word for their due is ophele, uh, indebtedness, a sum owed, obligation, uh, duty, or debt. Uh, when it comes to the financial realm, you are to pay taxes to whom taxes are due. And again, the word taxes there is the same word as on the front page. Uh, those that are paid to uh, a government that has subjugated them, a uh, foreign government. Customs to whom customs are due. Uh, the word there is telos. Again, remember, paid in full. That's the same root word. It's a toll on goods. So that you might say is your consumption tax. Even though when we think of customs, we think of that which is coming in. Uh, those customs are ultimately paid by whom? through a consumption tax. They get their money back that they had to pay to the government. In the realm of attitude, notice it's not just in the realm of financial, but in the realm of attitude. Fear, to whom fear, phobos is the word there, in context it deals with the concept of respect. You know, if Joe Biden were to come here, if you don't like him, you're supposed to show him respect. 
if Donald Trump were to come here and you don't like him, you're supposed to show him respect. Okay? And then honor to whom honor, the word there is time. It refers to a high esteem. Notice this last part. That is genuine. So if the president or the ex-president were to be here, we were to give them high esteem, do their position, not because we think they're so wonderful. It, it is due to them because of their position. Okay, It's not due to them because I think everything that Donald Trump says is wonderful. No, I can disagree with an awful lot of what he says, but because he is the previous president, I owe him high esteem. Uh, again, if you follow any kind of social media, that concept is lost in this country. It doesn't matter if you liked him or not, okay? Uh, it is interesting. One side of the fence seems to understand, you know, we didn't like some of the things he did. If he's guilty of any of the crimes, any of the 9,752 crimes that he's been accused of, hey, he can go to jail. <laughs> We're good with that. The other side, he is guilty. He must go now. Uh, there's no respect. No, he's evil. Uh, kind of like, wow, what about the other side uh, of the, the new guy? You know, is there? No, 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 he's perfect. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I, again, um, I recognize within our country, uh, we are founded a little bit differently. Uh, but when you see what's going on in this country and where the leadership of this country seems to be uh, going and has been going for many years, you can only understand that, look, if we end up there, it is because as a country, this is God's judgment. Now, if we're going to be there, how are we to behave? Romans 13. There you go. Now, as long as you can be free and walk according to the rules of the Constitution— you better make every effort to try and keep that. But when the time comes that God brings his judgment, Romans 13 is your only, um, you, you have to go there. Okay? Any questions or thoughts? Excellent. I'm glad that passage is over. <laughs> Let's move on with a closing word of prayer. Father, again, we thank you. We recognize, Lord, that the way you've designed things, government serves a good purpose. We also recognize that with the sinfulness of man, uh, it's gone awry. It's twisted. It's iniquitous. It's lawless in and of itself. Uh, we ask that you would give us wisdom and grace to be the kind of people that submit ourselves to government where we're supposed to submit ourselves, to pay our taxes so that we might be good citizens, shining as a light in the midst of a dark and perverse generation. And Lord, that you would be honored and glorified by it. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, Lord willing, see you again on Wednesday. In the meantime, have a good God-honoring week.